Welcome to the Tech and Main Presents Podcast with your host, Sean St. Hill. Sean is the CEO of Tech and Main, a technology consulting firm in Atlanta, Georgia. Listen in as thought leaders share their tips and insights about what's going on in the world of technology. And now, here's your host, Sean St. Hill. Thank you for joining another episode of Tech and Main Presents, where we bring you the best insights from today's leaders and experts in technology. Before we introduce today's guest, we want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Tech and Main. Clients and employees are the top priority of a business. Protect the data of your top priority in three easy steps. Tech and Main can help you assess your cybersecurity posture, fix any errors, and help maintain your security program according to NIST and CIS standards. For more information, call our office at 678. 678- And now, today's guest. Today, we will be speaking with Doug Bryant Jr. Doug is an incident response analyst at Black Knight. And of course, he'll share the rest of his background as we talk during the podcast. But Doug, go ahead and say hello to the Tech and Main Presents audience. Tech and Main, how y'all doing? I'm grateful to be here. Thank you so much. All right. Well, Doug, we're going to have some fun and I appreciate what you're going to share with our audience. And so speaking of that, why don't you go ahead and tell us about your background? Sure, absolutely. So I started in IT back in 2006, April. I'm really good with dates, so I'll probably be throwing a lot of dates out of here. April 2006, um, my cousin actually had a shop here in Jacksonville, Florida, and I wanted to get into IT. And um, (laughs) the first thing he did was he uh, took me to a computer and uh, asked me what was wrong with it, and he just walked away. So that was my first experience, really, with trying to figure out, you know, what was going on with IT. Had a virus on it. I found out what was going on and kind of remediated the problem. But he threw me in the fire. And ever since then, I just accepted that challenge to get into IT. Uh, Over the course of my career, I started out in desktop support, help desk manager, um, did various stints in the military with as far as like the technical side. So I I was a help desk manager, a technical manager, and then um, a level two desktop technician. And on the drill side of the National Guard, I was doing um, cybersecurity back in 2009. So that's kind of where I pivoted into uh, cybersecurity from the military. Great. Well, that's an amazing background, Doug. And so, curiosity question. How long were you in the military for? I was in the military for almost 11 years. Almost 11 years. Okay. And so, was all of that domestic or was there any international? Domestic. I was in the National Guard, so I was basically stationed in Jacksonville, Florida. And then once I actually got a full-time IT job, I transferred over to the Army National Guard, which is in St. Augustine, Florida, where the National Guard headquarters is. Thank you for your service, man. It's really, really interesting. I find that the majority of the people that I interview and talk to in cybersecurity have a military background. I'd like to find out from you, how would you say your military background you know, has helped you in your career and in your business ventures? Being an underdog in the military, right? I was, I was a sergeant and my peers were basically, you know, E6, E7 above officers. You know, I was around a lot of um, officer roles. And for me, um, it gave me that tenacity and that research ability just to kind of like, you know, make myself stand out. You know, in cybersecurity, you kind of have to do the same thing. You can't just be the status quo guy. You have to do things to kind of stand out to really get to where you want to get to in cybersecurity, but also just the discipline of staying focused. And, you know, whenever you run into an investigation, whether it be forensically or just, you know, through the SOC, just having that maintained focus and discipline to kind of just follow through and not give up and really get to the root of the problem. And that's been one of my strong suits. So I think carrying that with me from the military, uh, even to this day, I left the military in 2014. I still have that kind of 
mentality to, to move forward. Well, that's great. Doug, let me ask you, what has you most excited about your daily work? Well, currently just um, really just manifesting kind of where, where I want to be at, right? So um, like I said before, I started off, you know, in um, full-time rather, um, doing cybersecurity in 2013, started off in the SOC and kind of transitioned to the instant response. But now I'm kind of like transitioning into like more of a cloud security type of role and threat hunting. And that's something that's somewhere where I want to be at. So I think every day opportunity to be trusted with projects and um, innovation and actually, you know, see results of what you're doing based on this new challenge uh, makes me excited by each and every day I go to work. Given your background and your cybersecurity experience, one of the things that we like to do is give our audience um, some advice. You know, we like to share insights. And so what I want to ask you is, what's the one thing in cybersecurity that today's company or organization just isn't understanding? I would say a lot of companies aren't really understanding the seriousness of ransomware. It's like a 1A and 1B to this question, right? So 1A is really ransomware. And then 1B is really just how to handle it, right? So you see a lot of times, you know, um, in certain fields, when ransomware hits the, the network and the environment, they instantly pay. That's the last thing you want to do, right? Because basically, once you pay, you become a target. You know, so they can come back to you knowing, okay, this person's probably going to pay us again. This company's probably going to pay us again. So I think one B of that question will really be just having an incident response plan and a team in place to kind of, you know, be the front line for that and have steps and procedures and processes to handle that. In addition to, you know, making sure you're having um, adequate backups and just different procedures to handle things like ransomware, you know, whether it be an EDR solution, you know, to kind of, you know, track it before it actually, you know, spreads or whatever, and just having the personnel to understand the process of developing, you know, like instant response plan to handle things like ransomware, who to contact, who to bring in, you know, should you bring in a third party, you know, security vendor if it gets beyond threshold. So things like that you have to consider. And a lot of companies don't really consider that. It just, like I said, they get hit with ransomware and they end up paying. And that's reputational damage, financial damage, and again, just opportunity to be another target. It's interesting. So we've been doing our podcast for a little over a year now. And I think when I first started, if the topic of ransomware and payment came up, there was a tendency to say, go ahead and pay it. Just get your network back online, you know, get your data decrypted and get everything back so that you can kind of move on with your life. And I found the shift to now be what you just said, which is, you know what, don't pay it. Because if you do, it just incents them to keep coming back because they know they've put you in a vulnerable position. You've basically capitulated. They wanted to do. So I'm, I'm hearing now more and more that people are like, don't pay it. Right. And unfortunately, you know, if you don't have a security team or just the knowledge in general, you're going to pay that fine, you know, um, hospitals and, and educational services like colleges, whatever schools, they're more apt to pay because they don't really have the staffing to do so. And, um, you know, just unfortunate, but there's definitely ways to, to get around it and even to prevent it. Great. Well, thank you for sharing that insight. So, Doug, one of the things that I'm excited to talk to you about is your recently released book entitled <laughs> Computer Love, Love Letters and Log Analysis. It's an amazing title, and I don't want to steal any of your story. So talk to us about your book, Doug. No, you're doing good, man. I appreciate that. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm a child of the 80s, too. I love the aesthetics. I love the bright neon colors, you know, just uh, just the technology at the time was at a real big pivot point. I was actually approached by O'Shea to um, speak at SANS uh, last or this past year, March, whatever. So I've never done anything like that. I'm more of a background guy. 
I'm more of a writer, you know, stand in the background, lift other people up. That's me. But I had an opportunity to speak at Sands this year. And one of the topics was log analysis. I was going through, I was like, man, I can really talk about that because that's what I do kind of, you know, my job now. And first thing that came to my mind instantly was like, you know, um, how do machines communicate to people much like we can use machines to communicate to other people. And computer love, st- you know, stood out first because, you know, song computer love is basically about, and this is crazy, it's in the 80s, but it's more, it's about using technology to like confess your love to somebody. So they were ahead of like online dating back in the 80s, which was right. crazy. And um, I just took that concept and saying, you know what, let me see how, because I like to, you know, back in the day, I used to write a lot of love letters. Um, that's part of the reason why I got my wife, whatever, and I still do from time to time. But I wanted to kind of combine everything, right? I want to show my personality and kind of show the backstory of, you know, how machines can communicate and how it actually parallels with somebody writing a letter. So what I did in the book is I actually took the process of writing a love letter and broke it down based on each section of the book, you know, log analysis, reporting the incident, you know, just kind of going through those processes and um, turned out to be a really good analogy. A lot of people enjoy it and um, just trying to be different when I was, you know, writing my first book and grateful that, that I did. I can, one, say that I've enjoyed going through the book. I love the way you weave your current passion and background into your personality. I think that's one of the things that honestly, and we kind of talked about this before the podcast started, you know, the reason that I started the podcast was, I mean, there are a lot of brilliant minds in cybersecurity and in technology, but there's something that people want to be able to resonate with. When you show your personality, when you're talking about, you know, some of the things that we'll talk about as far as, you know, your favorites and vacations and things of that nature, you know, people want to get to know you. And I think your your book is a great way for people to see your approach to cybersecurity, but then also, again, to get, you know, a window into who Doug Bryan is. That's really um, something I kind of struggled with early on because I wanted to, I've always wanted to show my personality because... A lot of times when I talk to people, they have this perception of me, right? But once they talk to me, they leave the room saying, man, that guy's very intelligent or he's, he's knowledgeable, he's helpful. And I wanted to kind of like convey that in my book and in my future books too, right? I, I still want to have that personality to where anybody can pick it up and read it. It may have some technical content and that's fine. They're, they're gaining that knowledge, but at the same time, they're getting a backstory about why was this book created? Okay, what's he talking about? What's he relating to? Oh, I can relate to that. I see how he's doing this, you know? So when I compared the status codes to, you know, successfully delivering a love letter, and I gave a story in the book where I got rejected um, in church in front of a lot of people, I was able to take that experience and turn it into status codes and being successful, being rejected, you know, 404, being redirected 301, and took all that and just kind of combined that into my life and my story. And, and just want to say also that, you know, there's always something around us to inspire us. And I think just people just really have to just grasp that and include that in your presence and your personality, especially as, as a person in technology, because a lot of times our perception is that we're not people-based, where, you know, just rather be by ourselves, introverts, whatever, which, you know, at times I don't mind doing it. But at the same time, I want to kind of stand out with my personality and say, this guy is well beyond just being a tech guy, but he can actually, you know, drop knowledge or, you know, listen to people and learn and things like that. There's a couple of things that come to mind. Um, I love history. And of course, with the day and time that we live in, there's a lot going on around social justice, racism, things of that nature. And it's funny because people tend to look at a segment of the population or a people group and they just categorize them one way without realizing that people are multifaceted. People have more to offer than just the one thing that you see them doing or the one thing you think they're capable of doing. And so um, I love the fact that you brought that out. 
you've got the technical expertise, but then you've also got Doug Bryant and yeah, his background and his personality and his perspectives on things. And so you bring that whole person to what it is you're doing. I'm just a comma and a long sentence of cybersecurity professionals, man. I'm not the period. I'm not the exclamation point. Just a comma trying to, to contribute, man. That's all. Obviously, you wrote the book and you shared some great insights and background about the book. But what would you say are the key take-home lessons from the book that you wrote? Just the fact that um, you're looking at a person, when you're reading about a person in real time who challenged themselves themselves to uh, go to a new level in their career. Like I said, I had never spoken to anybody like that. Probably the last time I did that was like an Easter speech at church or something like that. So, I mean, that's years <laughs> ago, right? So just the fact that you should challenge yourself to do things. But then also, number two, reflect on that and share that knowledge, right? So I didn't want my presentation to say just to, to be just that. I wanted to take that and actually inspire people to, um, you know, capture the moment. One of the guys that, I'm, that I look up to, you know, he was all about, you know, capturing the moment and everything. So I use that book as an opportunity to capture the moment of, you know, from the time I got to Kentucky, you know, for the presentation, being there, the things I went through and the aftermath or whatever. So and thoroughly just to be inspired and, you know, make sure and understand that you're worthy enough to be in whatever technical role that you're in. It can be policy writing, it can be, you know, threat hunting, you know, red team, whatever, you know, just understand that you're in that space for a reason and just do really good at it. Just concentrate and, you know, work hard, research and just be really good at what you do. Doug, you've got a full plate. I mean, you've got, you know, your your day job at Black Knight. Yes, sir. You're an author, husband, father, but like myself, you're also a podcast host. Yeah. And so you and another great guy in the space, O'Shea Bowens, have a podcast called um, the IDS, Intrusion Diversity System Cybersecurity Podcast. Tell us a little bit about the podcast. You know, how'd you meet O'Shea? How'd you guys decide to put together a podcast? Absolutely. So, yeah, I met O'Shea back in like 2016 over Twitter. I really first got on Twitter, you know, I wasn't really active. But once I got active in the cybersecurity community, I noticed there was a lot of people that looked like us or a lot of stories being told by us. And ran across O'Shea. We had some of the same ideas and goals, you know, about diversity. Like I said earlier, you know, we were basically just knocking at the door saying, hey, you know, we're here. And we wanted a podcast to kind of be like a entryway for people who were trying to figure out how do I get into cybersecurity? Because I get that question. I'm sure he does too. Like, you know, at least every week, you know, I mean, it's even a blessing to get questions like that from, from guys in Africa, man. Like I'm so humble that people are asking that question. So just to reach out and touch people beyond our reach and inspire and say, Hey, you know, um, you know, women included, right. You know, just any type of minority, you know, saying, Hey, you know, here's a platform for, to speak about your story and, you know, share your technical expertise, whatever, and just opportunities for people to, to grow and, and network. Love the podcast. And of course, recently, You've added a third host. Yeah. And so what led to the decision to add a third host to the podcast? Yeah. So even in season two, we're on season three now, we, we plan to add another host because we want to give other people opportunity to, um, you know, share their story, you know, share their technical expertise, whatever. And again, like I said, if you don't know nothing else about me, I love to help uplift people. And the podcast allowed us to uplift our new host, um, Sienna DeVasto. And it's an opportunity to have a woman kind of, you know, lead the show and, and share her knowledge or whatever, because a lot of women get into cybersecurity. And we just want to take that route and really put the action on the word diversity. We didn't want to just have the title on the podcast and not really live it out. So adding um, Sienna to the podcast definitely, you know, encapsulates that uh, diversity aspect of it. As I mentioned, Doug, you've got a full plate, but 
seems like there's also room on that plate for a foundation that you have. (laughs) So, you know, definitely want to um, have you tell our audience, you know, about the foundation and share what caused you to start it and what is it about? I was actually inspired by one of my favorite artists. Now we'll get into that later, I'm sure. But around the same age that he was, I was the same age. I was like, man, what am I doing with my life? Like, how am I contributing to society? And roughly back in like 2015, 2016, a buddy of mine that I knew for about 20 years, we wanted to start a foundation in which we give back to the community. So we started this foundation in Jacksonville called Ninth Bridge Jacksonville. And because Jacksonville already has eight bridges, we want to be the ninth bridge, a digital bridge. And we initially wanted to just uplift people, right? So we're comprised of a three-tier uh, model, if you will. So we have accountability meetings once a month where we actually, we've grown. We pretty much have like 20, 25 people now. And through COVID, we've been doing virtual. So it's been actually pretty great. But we meet once a month and we kind of check on each other and challenge each other. Say, hey, man, how's this goal going? And, you know, where are you at with this? You know, so if you got 20 people looking at you, say, hey, man, what you doing this month? You know, it kind of inspires you to, to move forward. So uh, we have some success stories with that. So out of our accountability meetings, we had a, a guy leave corporate America, co-founded business um, here in Florida. He's actually like um, a pretty high up state auditor with his business or whatever. He's doing phenomenally well. So we have those kind of stories coming out of these accountability meetings. So uh, the second tier is community. So we give back through community service, uh, whether it be community cleanup of streets. Uh, we recently had a KN95 mask drive where we gave masks. We had about 300, 400 masks. And we had um, a little giveaway to different businesses in Jacksonville where we actually delivered the masks in person to the businesses, you know, in spite of COVID, right? Because a lot of people are trying to sell the masks. We were blessed to receive abundance of masks. So we just gave them out to the businesses. And then on the technology side, um, that's our third approach, basically. We're actually in the process of setting up some scholarships for students who are seniors and that want to go to um, a university pursuing IT. So our, our ambition is actually provide a scholarship and a laptop for one to two seniors. In addition to that, we're trying to partner with a local company here, another nonprofit, to teach people who actually want to get into cybersecurity or IT that are in the inner city, right? Because opportunities afforded to me, I just want to pour back. And I'm, I'm a huge believer in if you elevate others, you also become elevated. And that's what's literally happened to my career. And Ninth Bridge, you know, between, um, you know, ACT basically, or ACT, accountability, community, technology, just allows us to kind of touch the community in a way that nobody's really doing right now. Accountability, community, and technology. I love that. I love that. And so, of course, we'll have the foundation's information in the show notes. But, Doug, let's go ahead and pivot into some questions about your likes and, you know, some of the things that you enjoy doing. And so the first question is, who is your favorite musician or band? Uh, so I listen to music very weird. You can ask my wife. I actually hear the song before I hear the words. It's weird. Like I, I listen to the to the songs and melodies, and all that kind of stuff, I guess, because I have a producer's mindset. So the Neptunes with uh, Pharrell Williams and Chad Hugo uh, oh. based out of Virginia Beach. If I were to make music, they kind of make the music that I would want. They've been at it for a long time, since the 90s, and they've, they've created so many hits. I know at one point in time, they were like responsible for like half the songs in a certain period of time that were on the radio. So I just geek out to like, I think I t- t- talked about this in the book too, like just spacey sounds, synthesizers, um, just weird beats. And strangely enough, that kind of just motivates me to kind of like pursue the creativity in my career, you know, because I like watching studio videos where they actually like put the song together. Strangely enough, that kind of inspires me to kind of just be creative and say, okay, how can I tackle this problem in cybersecurity the same way? How do I break it apart and put things together and, and have this report or masterpiece, if you will, as far as, you know, deliver my report and, you know, just 
making sense of what's going on. How about a favorite hobby or pastime? Favorite hobby or pastime would definitely be basketball. Haven't played much since COVID, but bat- basketball has been there. And of course, video games, not playing as much as I used to, but the number one pastime would definitely be writing. Them. And of course, one of the things that I asked you was if you have another book in yeah. you and your immediate answer was absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I'm actually trying to write a book currently right now. I actually had to send you a snippet of it. It's called They're Acting Like Thugs. And basically, it's just trying to change the perception of how Black males are perceived. But I'm including like a technology aspect as well. So but trying to release that through my digital media company, uh, Junior Media. And I, I founded that company because I wanted to actually own my own content, uh, me and my partner. So we'll be releasing that, looking at November 12th to do an ebook and an audio book. So we're currently writing that. I have another cybersecurity book in mind and a children's book. So it's a lot of good people around me kind of pushing the brand basically to kind of get us responsible and accountable, like I said, to uh, making this happen. Oh, that's that's awesome, Doug. That's awesome. And it's good to know that a man has passions and they're not just sitting on the shelf waiting to be attended to. You know, the things that you want to do and it sounds like they're sequenced and they're ready to come out. You know, you've got a plan, you've got a good team of people and they're holding you accountable. So uh, that's awesome. Yeah. You said the key word there, sequence, right? So I know for me, being an incident response analyst, that's the way I see things too, right? When things, you know, come in and hot and heavy, I have to calm down first, right? Calm down, break it down and see it in sequence as well. You know, whether it be looking at logs, machine activity, source destination IPs, you know, you have to look at that stuff in sequence. And I think that that's a huge part of um, my being really just breaking things down in sequence. That's why I can do so many things because I have times where I segment time off, right? Like I, I told my wife, I said, Hey, I, you know, I didn't tell her, I just asked her really, you know, Hey, can I have, <laughs> you know, this period of time to do this, this period of time to do this and everything falls into place. I mean, with my organization, the accountability meetings, we're meeting tomorrow, actually, we meet once a month, you know, so it's not like we're meeting all the time. So we give everybody enough time to collect their thoughts and, you know, bring stuff to the table when it's time to be accountable. That's awesome. So, Doug, how about a favorite vacation spot for you? Favorite vacation spot? Definitely not like New York City. I love going there. There's just so much to do. Been there a few times. Any place there's water, right? So I'm definitely a water guy. Going to Destin, Florida next week with my wife to kind of relax a little bit. And I live in a beach town, so, you know, I'm pretty close to water. So anywhere that has a nice beach and uh, New York City, uh, I'm good. And Doug, what one person are you following that you would consider to be innovative? Um, believe it or not, man, it's really Kobe Bryant. I look at him on the court and the way that he just, he was so laser focused on his job. You know, I try to have the same tenacity and obsession on my job as well, right? When I'm doing my investigations or configuring something, you know, for security engineering wise or threat hunting, I try to have that same laser focus. Like, you know, the Doug at work is kind of different from the Doug, you know, that you see outside of work. Like I'm dedicated, focused, really trying to stand out from the rest of my peers in a way that, you know, I'm just trying to really go to extra distance, right? And I was paid off, paid dividends. And also him off the court inspired me to, to um, start my digital media company, Junior Media. Because I did, like I said, I wanted to write books and I wanted to kind of like own my own content. So he started his own writing company, writing studio. So that kind of inspired me in both facets of my career and just my pastime, if you will, just making it into a, a business. Kobe Bean Bryant. Yeah. Gone way too soon. You know, I was looking forward to seeing his post basketball career. I have a daughter, you know, he's the father of daughters. You know, there was, you know, obviously the love of his playing career, but it was 
just he was starting to hit his stride. He was, yeah. You know, had just won a Grammy, I think, for some content that he produced. So he was, as Oprah would say, living his best life. His legacy will certainly live on. Definitely. And I know it's kind of weird to have a basketball reference for like, you know, my career, but it's just, that's just how I get inspired. Like, you know, I feel like, you know, my career, I just want to have that same tenacity, resiliency, obsession that he, he applied to his work ethic. I mean, he would get up four in the morning and, you know, be there before anybody, you know, and that's the same work ethic I try to apply in my job. It's like, you know, how can I continue to like really work at this thing and meet a challenge and, and exceed that challenge? Because a lot of times people hit a challenge and they, you know, they get stuck or they get frustrated. There's some of that too, but I actually want to try to push past that so I can inspire other people to get over certain humps. Doug, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about the book that Kobe wrote, Mamba Mentality. Amazing book. And there is a point that he shares in the book where there was something going on with his body and he obviously needed to get medical attention. And I want to say the medical staff for the team suggested that he do something, whatever it was. And maybe it was the way his ankles were taped or something. But anyway, the doctor that came in and did that work, did such a phenomenal job. Kobe decided to hire that person to do that specific thing for the rest of his career. So I guess what I'm saying is, you know, I don't think it's too far-fetched to use basketball as inspiration for how we do things, because I think it's not necessarily basketball versus, you know, another sport or something in another arena. It's the fact that we see a principle we see something that works. And so we take that and we apply that to our own life. I think girls that sell Girl Scout cookies, right? There is an amazing lesson to be learned from that, right? You and I are both males and we would never have been, you know, Girl Scouts. But if you just look at the fact that they stand in front of a business, a retail outlet, and they are very tenacious. They're tenacious as you're going in and they're even more tenacious It seems when you're coming out, you know, hey, would you like to buy these cookies? You need to buy these cookies. And so you take even a simple example like that. And the lesson learned is tenacity right, and humility and persistence. You can extract that and apply that to your own life. So I think that's great. Doug, we're at the end of our time together. And I want to jump in the time machine with you. And we're going to Go back to 18-year-old Doug Bryant Jr. What is today's Doug Bryant going to tell his 18-year-old self? I would tell my 18-year-old self definitely to uh, save your money early, invest. You know, I didn't really have that around me growing up, but understand it now. But also uh, find your passion early. Um, A lot of times when I was, or not a lot of times when I was younger, I was doing things for the wrong reasons for other people. And it wasn't truly my happiness. Um, I actually went to school for architecture and engineering, which I didn't decide to do until my mid-senior year in high school. I didn't know what, what I wanted to do. So got to college, wasn't really prepared for the workload and the math and you know just the, the work ethic that it took to actually complete that type of program. So I actually ended up switching majors and um, dropped out of college actually for a little bit, joined the military, got back into college and started doing computers in 2004. So definitely just having that passion early and understanding, investing, and saving money, okay. which I'm trying to teach my son now. So he's kind of getting a glimpse of it now. I'm getting, you know, throwing it at him. He's 12. He just turned 12 yesterday. So I'm throwing him certain things now to kind of get that glimpse. And he has a, he has a savings account and things like that. So I learned. Oh, that's awesome. Start them young. Yeah. Doug, 
this is the end of our time together, but man, this has been so much fun. Um, yeah, so I appreciate rich. it, man. Yeah. No, um, I appreciate it. Yeah, just uh, really have enjoyed this. And before we let you go, what's the best way for people to get in contact with you? Uh, you definitely can reach me on LinkedIn at Douglas Bryant Jr. Twitter, Cybergent, C-Y-B-E-R-G-E-N-T underscore 101. You can email me, uh, Doug.BryantJR at Hotmail.com. And um, I respond pretty quickly, but LinkedIn is probably one of the best places to reach me at. And from my organization, it's uh, ninthbridge.org. That's uh, the number 9thbridge.org. And then for my um, ebook company, um, it's Junior Year Media. That's pretty much the best ways you can reach me. Okay. JuniorMedia.com. Awesome. And of course, we will have all of that good information in the show notes. And so, Doug Bryant Jr., man, thank you again for your passion, your willingness to share, just for, for all that you're doing. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much, Sean. I appreciate it. And Techamay Presents audience, thank you as usual for spending time with us. And be sure to tune in next time when we will have another technology expert share their wisdom. Goodbye for now. You've been listening to another episode of Tech and Main Presents. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Don't forget to tell your friends. And thanks for being a part of the Tech and Main Presents community.